Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show, year 2023, first episode of season five. I am super excited to be back in the studio, super excited to kick off another great year, another season of the show. We have really just a lot in store for the season this year. So many guests already lined up. We've got events happening. Just you'll have to stick around and see everything we've got lined up. There's so much happening. But before we get to all of that, which you'll find out more by following us on social media, our website, etc., we're going to have our first interview of the year. And none other than Brock Miller of LA Custom Kayaks. And this year, our episodes are going to be brought to you by some amazing sponsors that have stuck with us year over year. We've got Government Taco, Falaya Real Estate, Lake Men's Health Center, Horizon Financial Group, Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge, and you know we're sticking with some outfits of the day by McClavey Limited. Thank them so very much for being a part of the show and making this thing happen year over year. But without further ado, Brock Miller, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I uh, I was wondering if I was the first of the year. I guess that's a pretty uh, high honor, so we got to have a good one here. Dude, you're the first <laughs> of the year, man, taking a two-week leave, coming back strong. So it's either going to be a really great one or it's going to be a really bad <laughs> yeah. one because we're having to dust off the, the shoulder pads and get back right, in the game, you right. know. So it could go either way. Oh, we'll get, we'll it's get up right to you, it. but no pressure. Yeah, no, I think I think it'll be a good one. I, I appreciate you having me on. You know, I've been on a couple other podcasts, but this is, you know, this is a really cool experience, you know, to have, have this kind of, you know, to be asked to be on here as as a young younger guy because I've, I've watched a couple of episodes and it's you know gordon and ozzy with Izzo's and stuff and so it was, it you was, watched ozzy's i uh i didn't get to watch it yet i saw he was on it though okay that's uh, but i know i actually know ozzy um ozzy and a couple other guys over there at oh, perfect uh, yeah so you know do you know conrad i do so he's a member at our hunting camp i, I met conrad okay. first and then ozzy came up a couple times Conrad, Conrad's a good buddy of mine. Oh, he, we, we do we do a lot of counting together. Okay, so he, yeah, that's he's right. my, my my accounting partner right. with the whole go yeah. concept I'm, crew. Shoot. During hunting season, I'm with him every single weekend. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll make sure. I, let me, let me know and I'll text him and ask him like, "Where's my invite?" Yeah, like, there you now. go. Oh, we'll, we'll get you up there. <laughs> so, who are you and what the heck do you do, man? Yeah, so my name's Brock Miller. I uh, started Louisiana Custom Kayaks uh, back in July of of 20, 2020, so the COVID year. Um, but you know, I, I uh, went to Catholic High right here in Baton Rouge, and then went to to LSU. I got a degree over there in digital advertising and a minor in business. Um, but you know, halfway through my, you know, term at LSU, I started you know my business, which I'm sure we'll, we'll dive into. But um, so this is a college started business. Yep, it was I guess sophomore midway through sophomore year, I think, or okay. summer summer before junior year, is probably what it was. Um, yeah, sure. it, it all right around COVID, it all kind of blends together. <laughs> <laughs> so now, did you gra- did, did you graduate from LSU and finish that out, or you dr- or you stopped and did this? Yeah, full I time? did. That was one of my things. You know, I wanted. I had had a couple of people, you know, telling me you, you better finish, you better do it. So I, I stuck to it. Um, I can't say I was always focused on school <laughs> and class. Um, I was answering emails and you know building a website. But um, yeah, I did did finish LSU. I graduated uh, this past uh, spring. Okay, past spring. So I was in a similar situation for you as you in LSU where I was taking, I was majoring in accounting and majoring in entrepreneurship and then getting a minor in communications. And same as you in class, responding to emails because I was trying to get two different companies off the ground, always talking with people about different ideas. Mm -hmm. So from a student standpoint, I want to dive into that a little bit before we get into LA Custom Kayaks, what you actually do, because I think that part of the story 
is something that is important with how you got the ability to then go and do something on your own after college. How was the balancing act that is college and entrepreneurship? Yeah, yeah, if you want to call it a balance. Um, at <laughs> times, the, the attempt to balance. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I always, you know, try to keep my grades up and, and all that stuff too. Um, but at some times it was like, all right, what do I focus more on, you know? Um, and, you know, I still, still focused on school, but there were times where I was like, all right, this is like a very monumental thing that I need to figure out for the business or, you know, scheduling emails and, and, you know, learning things that tailor more towards my business rather than what was going on in class. But I also, you know, learned a lot of things in school, whether it's, you know, working with people, that was a big thing in, um, in the, you know, digital advertising and, and business, you know, side of things was, you know, planning campaigns and, and just working together in a group setting, you know, building connections. So I'm, you know, there's, there's a lot, a few people out there who would say, you know, just go the entrepreneurial route, skip the school route. Um, but I, I think, you know, school has its place and, and there's a lot you can take from you know, focusing on it and, and getting through it. Yeah. If anything, I really use my four years at LSU as like a four years of just connecting mm -hmm. and building with different people, whether it was professors, guest lecturers, or fellow students for that matter, mm -hmm. building just this Rolodex of people from our mutual, you know, kind of relationship with LSU and why we were there and learning. But hey, at the end of the day, you got to get like, I've, especially in the accounting career, like having that professional development, having that curriculum, having that schooling is important. Mm -hmm. But at the same time for you as an entrepreneur, it's like, well, I don't really don't want to be studying <laughs> for this, you right, know, yeah. XYZ class right now when I should yeah. be doing something else for the business to further it and develop it. Yeah. And I mean, some, some things are outdated that, that, that they go over now, but also I think that like that kind of plants the seed and then it's up to you to go, you know, learn the newest, you know, trend or how things are going, whether it's advertising or social media. Um, so a, a lot of it, especially in the business and advertising world, I think you got to kind of look it up on your own and, and kind of learn it and do it. So being in the advertising world, I mean, how did you even come up with a concept that you have now for LA Custom Contacts? Um, so I, I've always, you know, been in, in the outdoor space. Like I, we can go as far back as, you know, when I was this tall um, and fishing every day, you know, in, in a Piro in my grandparents' pond. So that was kind of like, I guess, my earliest form of, of kayak fishing. But um, I, so I, I read an article, This I was probably 11 or 12 at the time, in Louisiana Sportsman about a guy that, you know, fished a kayak fishing tournament. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. The key part in the article was that he flipped the kayak and then he got back in and won the tournament or something like that. So okay. when I pitched the idea to my parents, I made the mistake of telling them, oh, yeah, the guy flipped his kayak. So now it's just red flags all over kayak fishing. Yeah, I wouldn't start that, that way with your parents. Right, yeah, huh? but I was 12, so I was just <laughs> amped up about it. But, I, you know, I fought him for a while, and I was like, come on, let me get a kayak. And finally, you know, I bought a $250 kayak from Academy, and that's how I you know, got my feet wet. I remember catching my first, you know, bass out of the pond with it. Um, and then it just kind of evolved into, you know, going to the marsh and fishing on the coast down here, uh, especially with my dad, and like down in Golden Meadow. Um, and then you know, as with anything, as you get more involved with it, you're like, all right, well, what, what else can I do? You know, what can I add to the kayak or where can I take it and stuff? And it, it's really just, it became a snowball effect of, you know, adding, you know, fish finders and, and, you know, rod holders and all kinds of stuff to them. 
Um, so before I ever even started the business, you know, I was interested in kayaks and, and tricking them out and modifying them. Um, so when, you know, the, the idea came about to create my own business, it was like, well, I'm already doing this. So let me just do it for other people. Yeah. You were the, you were the customer before you were. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like looking up videos on what people have done before. Um, and then, you know, it kind of just transitioned into, into the business. So, I mean, it's such a niche business, like decking out kayaks for fishing. Like first you've got to find the people that are interested in kayaks, but then you got to find those folks interested in kayaks, interested in fishing, and then want to take it a step further and actually get a setup. Right. So, I mean, from, a, I guess, a research model for your business developing, your business plan, or your mo- business model canvas, as they would teach you at LSU, what type of research did you do? What type of companies? I mean, there are there any other companies locally around here that do exactly what you do? Yeah, there there are a few, and that's kind of what what helped me um, because so so the, uh, we had talked about uh, the backpacker earlier. I'd worked there for a couple of years and actually did a little bit of rigging and you know selling products and stuff like that for them. But right when you know COVID hit, it was the the big you know closing of of stores like that and all the regulations and stuff. So a lot of the stores locally that did that stuff closed, but people don't have anything else to do except go fishing because it's right in the heat of the summer. So what happened, what, you know, happened was people go fishing, they'd either break something or need something installed and they reach out to me and be like, Hey, can you do this? I'm like, you know, first couple, I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? And then it just kind of snowballs. And, and, uh, I say this all the time, like, you know, I'd have one or two kayaks at the, at the house at a time. And then I look in the backyard and there's like eight of them back there. And, my dad's like, all right, we need to find somewhere else to, to do this. <laughs> you need to go beyond the garage. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, you know, locking up kayaks in the backyard with bike locks <laughs> so they don't get stolen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of how it how it really got started. So, I mean, how are people finding you for this? It's So, I, I've kind of, like I said, always been in the kayak space. I mean, we have a really good um, kayak club. It's kind of based out of Baton Rouge, New Orleans, a little bit of Lafayette called the Bayou Coast Kayak Fishing Club. Okay. And I, they host tournaments and events and, you know, just get together. So I I know a lot of people in that space, you know, so, and I think that the Facebook group has like five or 6,000 people in it. So as soon as you put something in there, word travels fast. Um, and then, you know, it's just kind of building a customer base and relationships off of that. Gotcha. So it was the Facebook group. Yeah, I'd say Facebook groups. Those are definitely what got me started. Um, there's been, you know, other things along the way, TikTok and, and YouTube that have helped a lot, like helped me get outside of Louisiana. But um, for the most part, Facebook groups kind of kicked it off. So what did your parents say whenever you told them you wanted to start this business in the heat of a global pandemic? Um, it, I, don't, I don't know. It, it wasn't really... I, I guess they kind of just said go for it. I mean, okay, I wasn't a. <laughs> was there any entrepreneurial? <laughs> hang on, back up. Was there any entrepreneurial history in so, your family first? Yeah. So, okay. you know, my 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 dad, uh, he worked in you know landscape and and uh, construction, you know, doing his own thing. Um, so I guess that that's definitely where I've gotten some some entrepreneurial, I guess, spirit from. Um, and I've got, also got you know uncles and and other people in the family who've done you know similar things. Um, and I've always just kind of. I guess done my own thing throughout, you know, my as I've, I've as I've grown up. So it wasn't really a, a shock to them. They're like, "Hey, I'm gonna go start a, a kayak fishing <laughs> outfitting business." Um, so they were like, "You know, you're passionate about it. Go for it." 
So is this your first business? You said you did some other things on your own. Is this yeah? Is, is so LA Customs your first one, or is there something? Before I don't know if you call them businesses, mowing yards and and stuff I, like that. You, did know? you make money. I did make money. Okay, so we'll, we'll call it a business, uh, not professional in any way. But you know, twelve years old, pushing lawnmowers around and, and mowing yards, <laughs> anything to get money to buy fishing baits, I guess. Dude, I, so I did the same. I feel like grass cutting, I don't know if it's a Louisiana thing or a Southern thing, but like grass cutting businesses for young guys is like the go-to business. I was 11 years old when my brothers and I started our first lawn care business. My brother turned 16 and he had, you know, he got a truck and we we got a loan from our parents for the equipment. And sure enough, 11, 14 and 16 year olds going around Mm -hmm. the town cutting people's grass. Yeah. Started out with like, you know, our track coaches and stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah. People, you know, they were were throwing us a bone saying, okay, yeah, 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 I'll pay you 50 bucks. Come cut my yard. But I mean, they're coming behind you with a weed eater. Oh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. yeah. They were, they were watching us. They walk around the whole yard as we're cutting. He tells us, no, 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 you missed a spot. (laughs) They were the hardest on us, which was great because we learned a lot. But oh, yeah. That's like, that's, you know, and you, you say Louisiana, I guess our grass grows 12 years or. I mean, twelve months out of the year. So yeah, it's like a year time, a year round thing. Right. To cut yeah. Your ass. So I mean, it's the perfect thing for us. And I know I did that a couple times. I sold fishing baits and you know, taking people kayak fishing before. You've done charter kayak fishing. I wouldn't say charters. It's kind did of one off. Did they pay deals. you to go fishing? Uh, no. <laughs> answer. Yeah, yeah. We won't. We won't dive into that. <laughs> So buddies taking buddies fishing. There you go. Friends, yeah. friends of friends. Right. Yeah. They just fed you. That's what That's it was. It. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So getting into this outdoor lifestyle of kayaking with, I still don't understand how you sold your parents by telling them the, the vessel in which you're purchasing flipped. Like that's your lead into. Yeah. I, I want to buy this thing. Somebody flipped. It took, it, I don't, it might've taken a year, but I know it took months to, it was mainly my mom. My dad, he was, he was, he was cool with it, but. She's, you know, I was the first first child, first baby, so, you know, she didn't want me doing anything like that. But I finally won them over, um, and I, I was looking back. I think I've, I've been in it for 12 years, and I've probably owned, like, 12 or 14 kayaks through okay. that kind of tenure. So that shows you, like, typically I would get one, modify it, sell it, get another one, modify it, sell it. And <laughs> you kind of work my better. way up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So sell it, sometimes make money, sometimes lose money, and then, you know a little bit more money into it and get a nicer one. I love it. So going and doing your your first one for somebody, I mean, how did you begin to look at like a pricing model of what did you do the, like what did what was that process like figuring out how to price it and what to charge people for doing something like that? That was that was definitely a, a learning experience. You know, sometimes I felt like I was making a ton of money and then other times it's like, well, I learned a lot. I didn't make quite as much money. <laughs> um and then, you know, early on like now I have accounts with, you know, manufacturers and, and different, you know, companies. But before it was like, all right, either you're going to, you got to bring me your fish finder and battery that you want me to install, or I can go buy it. And then it's like, all right, well, do I charge them more since I bought it? So that was a big kind of learning, uh, learning curve on, you know, what do I set my time at? You know, um, what do I want to make off of this? And, you know, some projects take 10 times longer than you think they will. Yeah. Especially when it starts getting into the complex ones. Right, yeah, yeah. So that's that's definitely a learning curve. And then some you're like, well, it's going to be really cool when I post a TikTok of it, but I'm not going to make a bunch of money off of it. So kind of stepping into that topic of TikTok, the story behind how I came to know about you was from that platform mm-hmm. where you had commented on a video that Mallard Bay, our 
my buddy Logan Moe had posted about him on the show talking about Mallard Bay. I saw you commented or got the notification or some sorts. And when I checked you, I checked out your TikTok page, like, it's a serious page. Like, you've <laughs> amassed quite an impressive amount of followers. Uh-huh. And then I believe you were in a business report or a 225 article. I think so. And, and that, that was, might have been with, with Nick, who we talked about earlier. Poss- possibly. I think, so. I think that was that. I've talked about you before on Talk 107.3 FM with okay. Brian Haldane. We we read about your article yeah. about what you were doing, how this was a new thing, and it was right in 2021. Yeah, yeah I think so. Time frame. Yeah. So I had known you from both ways and seeing you on TikTok. I was like, okay, I got to check this guy out. So walk us through exactly what you do on that platform. Yeah, I'll, I'll go back to the beginning. So this was before the business, before you know anything. I think I was... Was I was in Spanish class, so it had to have been freshman year, like first semester. Like this is <laughs> okay. like I don't know. I heard about TikTok or something. It was like it sounds like a bunch of dancing and all that. You know, whatever. I'll download it, and uh, I like downloaded it and I posted a video of a tarpon that I had caught. So a tarpon's a big, you know, six foot long fish. Not not very many people catch them out of a kayak. So it was kind of something that was unique. So I posted it and I uh, like closed the app. And like halfway through class, I check my phone. I'm like, got five thousand views. That's, that's kind of kind of a lot, you know. I haven't gotten that on any other platform. Like, okay, I post a couple more. Well, and you had been posting on other platforms about like kayak fishing as a whole. Yeah, because okay. it was just like my passion. That's something I like sharing. You know, a lot of people like to me. You know, catching a redfish in a kayak, I, I do that all the time. Like it's it's just another thing. But when I show somebody a video, like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you could catch redfish out of a kayak. So I've, I've grown, you know, with GoPros and, you know, eventually nice Sony cameras and, and drones and stuff just kind of captured, you know, everything that I've done so far. Um, so I, you know, I had a stockpile of videos and I start posting a few on TikTok, and then I post one and it's like this one angle. And every time I post it, it just blows up of this tarpon that I caught. And it ends up getting like, I think like six million views or something crazy. Six million. And this was before anybody posted like fishing on TikTok. So you were like the first. You were one of the first. One of, I had a bu- I had a buddy in Florida, yeah, who who did something similar. And we both like have, have, you know, I wouldn't say massive, but really good sized pages. Um, so that's what I was like, man, maybe I should dedicate a little more time to this TikTok <laughs> thing. <laughs> this TikTok thing. <laughs> maybe it's important. not just dancing, you know. <laughs> uh, and I think it's really grown since then, like since its inception. I guess with musically or whatever it came from. Um, and you see like, you know, business people on it, you know, your, your podcast is on it. So it's more than just, you know, a, an entertainment kind of thing. I think now. Well, yeah. And then when you get to the point where you're at, I'm sure you're, are you in the TikTok monetization phase right now? I did it for a little bit. I've, I've done research and some people say, if you like try to monetize, they kind of cut down on, on your, your, you know, how much they produce, you know, broadcast your videos. So I've been on it, you know, made 45 bucks or so <laughs> in the past. Really um, retiring on that TikTok yeah, money. I'm just stockpiling it. <laughs> um, but, I mean, really, like, it's it's crazy how I'll get somebody who emails me and like, hey, I found you on TikTok. I'm like, really? You saw a TikTok video and now you're here, you know, trying trying to buy a marine mat or something. Um, so it, it definitely has, has become a tool, you know, as I've started to use it more. And they definitely taught you about that at LSU. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> no. the, the power, or the, the, the concept, the power of viral marketing, or right. viral campaigns. Yeah, social media and stuff. And that's, and honestly, in a lot of these classes, like that's something so new and, and ev- like evolving um, that, 
it's tough for a professor to teach on something that's changing every single day. You right. know, it's really you have to do it. You got to be in the space. You have to realize the trends and jump on them. You know? And then also a lot of it's just sheer luck. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. Who's to say that that angle that you had from however long ago the video was was going to be the angle that caught people's attention? Right. You know, yeah. I've had some videos like I've, I'll spend, you know, five hours trying to get something just right. And then I'll take a, a five second video that's just a something random and that gets 10 times more views. And I, I've, I've heard that time and time again, people that put, they put all this time and attention and effort and they're getting the, the clips, the timing, the angles just right. Yeah. And then it just way underperforms their expectations. Mm-hmm. And then they walk out and do a selfie video saying, look, the sun's rising this morning. And, it's and like, that's it. It's it. And then your account's got, you know, all the traction <laughs> it needs. Yeah. Well, and with the traction, how are the views correlating to actual emails or DMs for getting people to purchase your products or purchase your services. I mean, at the end of the day, from a marketing standpoint, that's the goal, right? Get people to either see your content because you're monetizing it through sponsors or whatever, or get people to contact you via your platforms to want to do business with you. Yeah, I, I don't really know of it like a direct, I don't say a thousand views gets me one, you know, one yeah, email yeah, or something yeah. like that. But I, de- I mean, I def- I've definitely seen that, you know, the more people that, that see it, like, I would say, uh, I don't know, a tenth of the people who follow me actually kayak fish or actually even fish. You know, a lot of people are just like, oh, this is interesting. Let me follow, you know, follow along. Um, So I I definitely think, you know, it it gives you a very broad, you know, know, scope of of different people that that see your stuff. Um, But at the end of the day, I feel like the more people have eyes on on your brand and your business is going to translate into you know, conversions and emails and orders. Yeah, it's getting the, the eyeballs on the product or the mm-hmm. service in the long haul mm-hmm. is going to get that yeah. return and on it. And a lot of people that reach out are like, I've never even heard of kayak fishing before, but now I want to I check it out, you know. So as far as, you know, just selling them a product, like that's great at the end of the day, but if I can just show more people about, you know, kayak fishing or Louisiana or whatever it is, then that's, you know, I guess that's a win too. Well, and I think that content translates better. You know, the the real authentic content of I'm out here doing what I love and just the fact that I want to do it and I just want to share it with people in hopes of maybe getting someone else to say I fo- started following your page, had no idea that this was a thing. Now I do it every weekend with mm-hmm. myself, my kids, my brothers, whomever. And you see that that's building memories for people. Yeah, It's and- not just getting them to purchase their, their kayak services through you. It's getting people into that hobby, into that lifestyle to kind of, I guess, sh- shine some more light on to where now I think Grand Isle does like straight kayak tournaments. Oh, yeah. yeah. Many times a year, which I believe you've won one, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was that was another thing that kind of propelled me into the industry, the, the Ride the Bull tournament, uh, which Rad with CCA, you haven't had him on yet. Have I have you? not had a CCA I can, on now. I can hook you up with him. He's, okay. he's a good dude. He'd be a good one to have on. Um, but yeah, so Ride the Bull was something that was actually like one of the first tournaments I ever fished. And the funny thing was I never caught a fish during the tournament until the time I won, and I've never caught a fish during the <laughs> tournament after. So You caught it when it counts. That's it. That's it. So to kind of paint the picture, Ride the Bull is in Grand Isle. It's out of Bridgeside Marina. And uh, I think the record's like 730 people came out and fished that tournament. 730, 730. people? And it was, I think that was like 2014 or 2015. But basically, they send everybody out. They've Where did got, they park? 
Oh, everywhere. Just from a logistics oh, standpoint. You, you have to get there like three hours early to, to get parked. I would imagine even, like, do some people just kayak there? From some people do, and they've gotten in trouble because they've just kind of kayaked across and like, oh, I'll just stop here, and now they're there when we're supposed to blast off. Ah. Um, but basically, it's it's a bull red rodeo. Um, but the unique thing is that there's chase boats that go around. And so when you catch a fish, they come pick up your fish, they bring it in, weigh it in, and then release it for you. So you could sit in one spot all day, catch 15 fish, and never never have to move. I had no idea that was so a thing. So it's kind of like a safety thing, you know, that way people aren't dragging in 30-pound fish every time they catch yeah. one. Um, but, yeah, so I – and I've, I've caught, a, you know, Borez in that area before, um, <clears throat> but never during the tournament. You know, I'm playing on my phone. I would be scrolling through TikTok if it existed then, but uh, I don't know what I was doing. Um, but you know, my rod, you know, bends over and I got a big fish on and I, I get it in the boat and, and, uh, I, I really, I was 16 at the time. So I, I caught a few fish like that before, but really didn't have anything to judge it off of. And the guys in the boat were like, you're going to do something with that. Okay. I'll take your word for it. And they take the fish and they, they would post on Facebook when, you know, they get new fish in, but with the leaderboard and, and sure enough, I refreshed Facebook and it's like Brock Miller. It was 34.56. I remember because it was 3456 and 34.56 uh, pounds. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm, I'm winning. <laughs> you were winning. Yeah. That and, and I think there was like 400 people at that time in the tournament. And I was like, okay, all right. Well, I can't do anything else. You know, I can try to catch another one. Um, but I sat out there all day, then went in. And sure enough, it held, held that year um, and ended up, you know, taking home taking on the top prize and there was no lead weights in the stomachs of the fish. no lead weights no that was uh god that was i remember i was fishing a tournament when that video came out and it was like the talk that's crazy that, that was wild it, those guys don't need to be fishing anything i don't think they are so for for those listening or watching that are not aware of what happened there was a fishing tournament where the people on the leaderboard actually stuffed metal weight or lead weights like, down I think the it fish was like, it was like two or three pounds per fish. Yeah, per fish. And, and they had like, what, fish. yeah, five fish. Yeah. So they added 20 to 30 pounds mm-hmm. of weight to their bag to take first place. And there's a viral video. I don't know if it's still up there or not, oh, but there's yeah. a video oh, on TikTok yeah. or Instagram or somewhere where there's actually at the weigh at the weigh in, they've got people because they were so over the weight mm-hmm. of well, they everybody else. Close to like, as I say, they weren't even, they were like, yeah, like they probably could have so won without lead weights, but then they beat second by, I don't know. 14 pounds or something crazy Just something ridiculous yeah. and sure enough there's a video they're cutting it out and they're they're like pulling out these weights of these yeah. fish oh and then the and, cops get involved uh, i think i'm pretty so sure they bad. spent a couple nights in jail right then and there i, and I then, wouldn't be surprised yeah. I, I i didn't read the whole i just i just yeah. i read the headline and saw the video don't yeah. okay you know don't <laughs> yeah. come after I mean, me and that's, that. and that's like I, I think it was walleye which that's something we don't have down here but like that'd be like a cheating in a big bass tournament or something you know right Talk, you know, you know thousands of dollars they're they're going after oh it, and more than that once you get up sponsorships mm-hmm. and you get all those promotional fees oh, yeah. like it's, some of them are doing full-time yeah oh yeah i mean those guys were they had you mm-hmm. know they had their shirts on i think it was like what yeah. a sixty thousand dollar pot uh pot mm-hmm. for that tournament just something ridiculous yeah. and the worst part like if you look when you look at the fish they weren't even like easy to hide the weights because of how slim the oh, fish yeah. were they <laughs> it was like, how like can he's you? like i can feel the lead weight in it yeah yeah so but so you won that tournament and was that ever your was that your first tournament you've ever had or that was, so I'd fish ride the bull like a couple of years before that you know it was like a, a yearly thing we had a group that went down we'd all fish it um, you know a couple of guys had caught fish before in the past 
but yeah, that was that was the first time I caught a fish in that tournament. Um, then I fished a couple years after. Now I've, I've kind of moved into helping with the tournament and you know with the chase boats and video and some stuff, you know, in, in recent events. So. Gotcha. So it's more now. What can you do to help the tournament go on mm-hmm. and kind of keep the spirit of kayak fishing yeah. as a whole throughout the the region and the area? Yeah, and and I love the idea you know, behind it of, like, catching, and they actually tag the bull reds when we catch them. So they take the data from them. Oh, they tag them? Yeah, so they tag them, and this past year, I think AFCO was involved, and they gave out, like, gift cards if the fish was recaptured or something like that. Um, but, yeah, they, I, I, I'm all about conservation and, and, you know, preserving the fishery and, and just all of our resources down here because we're losing a lot of it pretty quick. Um, but that's that's what draws me to that tournament is, you know, the whole idea is to catch the fish and then release it, you know. Right. Well, and so and they take just your heaviest fish of the day, not necessarily. There's a couple different categories. Like the main leaderboard is just your heaviest fish. You can't, yeah. I don't think you can be on the leaderboard more than once. Um, but they also have like team categories with most fish and most weight, stuff like that. So there's, there is some, you know, you can still win if you stay out there and try to catch fish all day. Gotcha. So when you, what made you want to start actually documenting and recording your fishing adventures on a kayak? Um, oh, I think back to, I don't know, I was like 15 or 16, made some terrible videos of, I don't know, like fly fishing in a pond or something. And I, I, I still see them in my mind. I'm like, gosh, those are awful. Um, but I don't know. I, I had a couple of guys that I followed on YouTube. Um, but really back then there wasn't a whole lot. So there was like two or three guys who posted, you know, kayak fishing content. Um, uh, so I was like, you know what? I got a GoPro for like Christmas or something one year and, started bringing it on the kayak and, uh, you know, just, you know, video and stuff. And I wouldn't always do something with it, but it was cool to just kind of look back on it. And then you kind of remember things that you did in the moment uh, or like reactions. Like I've got a couple of crazy topwater eats that I just freak out on, you know, and I'm like, look back like, oh, you're an idiot. But, you know, you look back on it and it's really cool to, to have those kind of memories. Oh, yeah. And the GoPro or the invention of the GoPro made it so accessible mm-hmm for outdoorsmen, for outdoors people to really capture what they were doing because you had the Sportsman's Paradise channel. Mm-hmm. Was, my dad would watch it every oh, weekend. Yeah. He was yeah. watching the Sportsman's Paradise uh-huh. and just watching his people fishing and hunting and all that yeah. stuff. And then you had this GoPro come out where it's like, be your own you know, mm-hmm. cameraman or whatnot. Yeah. And the ability for that to go and then take people to building these channels was just, a hundred percent. It's life changing. Yeah, and there's so many things like, like when I when I caught that tarpon over in Florida, it like in my memory I cannot remember a single thing that happened because it happened so fast, like the fish jumping out of the water and just the adrenaline that's pumping. I could if I didn't have the video, I couldn't tell you what happened. But now that I have that, like I, I know exactly you know what happened and and you know how the fish jumped and everything. But with all that adrenaline running through you. Like, that memory's just not there. Well, I, I guess that's true. You don't ever... The memories you have when you're fishing or you're hunting is always the the after the fact. Mm-hmm. It's not the, the in the moment. Or I guess yeah. if you're going on, like, a long elk stalk or a long whitetail stalk, maybe you have that memory. But yeah. the adrenaline... Oh, when that gets when, going. When you're fishing is just... Yeah. Especially when you got something on the line, like doing pier fishing in Grand Isle. Yeah. Where you're just throwing, like, a half a chicken <laughs> in the water. Yeah, hoping yeah. For you something. got a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> But then, like the moment when it's happening, yeah, it's yeah. it's that craziness of you're you're just like gotta get the fish in the water, you know, gotta get the fish in the boat. Don't yeah. don't horse them, don't play with them. Like just slowly, steadily get that fish to the kayak or the boat and get them in, so yeah. you can then 
do whatever you're gonna do with it from there. Yeah, I mean, anytime, like I, I got a, a nice, you know, Sony camera, and I take it duck hunting and kayak fishing and stuff, and like I always try to pull that out to just capture something from from when I went, because um, you know it's so cool to look back on that, and then also just sharing it, you know, with people, because like I I get and blessed to go kayak fishing all the time and hunting all the time, but a lot of people aren't, so they get to see my stuff and and kind of enjoy, you know, what I've experienced. So that I mean I think that's the biggest thing with the social media stuff is a lot of people don't get to do that and then they see and follow just because they get to experience it through I guess through somebody else. Well, and not everybody's also being so aware and cognizant of the fact that they should record it or mm-hmm. they should bring a camera with them. I mean, yeah, you see it happen all the time on social media or TV where they're filming and they're doing all this and that, but a fraction of the population is like, let me film my own right, experience. Yeah, not everybody you know? thinks about it. Like you always have, oh, I could do this, yeah. I could do that. But the people that actually make it happen, mm-hmm. it's really cool to see what they're able to put together. Yeah. You know? And I've also had some times where like something really cool happened. I turn around, the camera's dead or off. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh. It just happened recently. Like a fish, you know, ate at the boat. And I'm like, man, that's going to be so sick. And I turn around, it's, oh, it's dead. <laughs> so. We've uh we've had that happen for the show. Yeah, and we've had I'm it sure. a, a couple of times where we'll be like fifteen minutes deep, and I'll. Yeah. This was before Fly Focus Studio, so this is not a <laughs> there reflection. There you go. Shout out, mom. <laughs> <laughs> but there there be times where we were like fifteen, ten minutes into the show, and they look at me and they're like, "Hey, can can, can we can redo. we, can, can go we back. back it up and re and redo yeah. like redo fifteen minutes of content <laughs> yeah. where we only do one take of everything like right. no we yeah. can't redo that oh and that's the thing in in the outdoors it's like there's no there, there's no redo yeah like, you can't say hey, fish come back yeah, jump and like, again like, jump again please <laughs> like jump jump into the boat exactly. you know porpoise please come right here right. next yeah. to the boat you gotta and be do on it. it so that technical side of things where you've got this gear and it could malfunction is always that risk factor when you're recording this yeah. So I can, I've had some some painful times where I've had to look back at content we've created and I'm like, oh, should have done the this, mic wasn't done on, yeah. Or I've had one where we I straight up had somebody's mic off for like 30 minutes before I realized it. Uh, and I was are sitting these there, on? No, these yeah, okay. these are on, right? We got the, all right, we got the thumbs up. Um, yeah. So you you in that moment, it's like an instant moment of regret that I feel you also miss out the opportunity you miss out the feeling of enjoying the moment because you were so worried about capturing it i mean how do you evaluate that as well as like a content creator where you're trying to get this content you're trying to capture it but you also want to live in the moment and experience what you're doing yeah it's it's such a a balance like i would say early on i would get kind of caught up with it and you know i've got to have my camera set up and got to have this drone shot and all this stuff but now it, I wouldn't say it's second nature, but I kind of just like set it up, let it roll, and whatever happens, happens. Um, and I feel like that's kind of the best content. You know, you see some guys go out and they've, you know, setting their angles and, and doing, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff, trying to trying to make something happen. I feel like it's it's better to just kind of set it up, you know, let things happen, and uh, like that just natural flow and, and content. That typically does the best, in my opinion. Yeah, when it's... When you're just not there, forced. yeah. When you're exactly forcing content or kind of forcing something to happen just to get the shot, just to get the angle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it 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 comes across in the finished product. That, oh, hundred percent, not authentic. Yeah. You know, like if you've got somebody saying, "Hey, come back!" Like a, a touchdown pass that you miss. You mm-hmm. know, oh, please run it again. You know, yeah. come back. <laughs> let's let's recreate yeah. that moment. It's you can tell as the end user. 
It's not genuine. Like it was staged, yeah. you know. Oh, like, in, in the fishing space, you see it all the time. Like a guy sets the hook and then reels in a fish, and the fish is like, limp. it's like, man, that's not that's not genuine. That's not you know. But when you see the cast and then the the hook set and the catch and the fish is lively, like that stuff is people just like seeing that. I, I feel like. Well, and then also you have to take into account when you're consuming that type of outdoors content that. They're showing you the highlights. Oh yeah, they're not like yeah, I, not the two Brock's hours. Brock's not before. sitting there on his kayak for two hours just <laughs> looking at the camera. Hey guys, um, we haven't caught a thing. Yeah, we haven't done anything exactly. today. We're just chilling. You know, yeah. no fish are biting. Yeah, there's good. To, I think that's one thing I've noticed with TikTok probably the most is you can like it, it, the stuff doesn't go away, but you can just post as much as you want. And like the behind the scenes stuff tends to do really well. Like it's not always just has to be a fish catch or something like that, like right. rigging up your, your rods or, you know, launching your kayak, like little stuff like that, that in the past, if we were putting on Instagram would never made the cut you can put on TikTok, and it may not go crazy, but it it's, you know, content you can put out there. Well, what I've also started seeing is people who self film their content are now like it came across my feed today that they will record them going back and grabbing the camera mm-hmm. and post those I've clips. That. You know, yeah. that, that behind the scenes, that, yeah. that stuff of you solo content creator, here's what they don't show you. You know, right. lugging this camera or this mm-hmm. tripod here to get that shot or they're running back down the gravel road really quick so yep. no one steals your phone. Mm-hmm. You know, like they don't show that side of things, but it tends to also perform pretty well yeah. than the stuff where it's set up and you're actually getting the shot you're after, you know, the walking away from the camera or what have you. Yeah, I it's, think... Instagram and, and Facebook, for whatever reason, like that's like it has to be perfect. It has to be framed perfect and just like, you know, edited and, and you know, just the, the, the exact shot that people have in their mind. And then TikTok is just, you know, any kind of video, um, you know, just real, some of my best videos have maybe been holding up a fish and putting it back in the water and they yeah. get, you know, 100,000 views. It's like, that's not interesting at all to me, but people just love it. You know, it, it, it's quick attention grabbing uh-huh. yeah. content exactly. with the TikTok, where it's how do we get these people attention? How do we keep their attention? Mm-hmm. Whereas people on on Instagram or Facebook or more, okay, we'll look at it if it's really good. You know, like right. oh, this, especially now with like with the podcasting content, people are taking that in the longer forms mm-hmm. and the shorter forms. And we were talking beforehand yeah. about doing that long form and then clipping up in a smaller form. Mm-hmm. And the impact that that has overall, mm-hmm. where it's, you know, maybe don't put an intro on this because people are losing interest because you've got a two second intro. Yeah, you got to jump right into it. Like you got to jump right into yeah. it, you know, like that's, it's crazy how much it matters. Oh yeah. And it's, it's like, like we were saying earlier, it's always evolving. Like when, you know, TikTok first came out, I guarantee people weren't thinking like that. But now no, they're, they're like, what cool dance can I do? Right. Exactly. That was, oh, it, I, I. I'm glad it's gone in the right direction since then. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's wild how it's evolved. And, and you see, you know, like Gary Vee and a couple other people we talked about, it, it's so easy to emulate what they do and find success and stuff like this. Yeah. And so you're doing something similar, right? You've got a long form strategy mm-hmm. that you're doing where you're, I mean, walk, walk us through your strategy. Yeah. So, I mean, typically, like we'll, we'll film a YouTube video on, let's say, a Marine Mat install or, or something like that. Um, and it, it may be a, a 15, 10, 15 minute video, um, but I can go back and really you don't have to edit anything else. You're just going in and splicing in, you know, splicing <clears throat> different little clips. Um, and I mean, I try to stay under you know 15 seconds for the most part for TikTok. 
Um, but I mean, it could be just laying down one piece of Marine mat and put that on TikTok, and, you know, just see how it does. It's all, you know, trial and error. Um, like I, I posted one, uh, what's that song? Is it like everything she ain't that was popular on, uh, on TikTok? I don't know. We, we played it, you know, in the shop while we're rigging boats, we'll play music and, you know, the audio picked it up. I was like, oh, let me throw this on there. It ended up doing well. It's just like little stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, you know, film a long YouTube video and then you can cut as really as many as you want out of it. And I'd say the, the, the biggest thing is don't be too particular about the shot. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. Just, just have some kind of content that may be interesting to some people. And if you, if you put it up there, I guarantee it's going to, going to take off. And there's somebody interested in every component of the oh, content. Yeah. Whether it's a weird component where you're like look at like you're lo- looking at the camera and then you're looking down the shot and you're like, okay wait that's crooked yeah. and you're like now I gotta take the whole thing off you know <laughs> right. yeah I mean just little stuff like that can make a difference that that behind the scenes I feel like in, I tell people Instagram is like a, a second website for your business and then TikTok is just all the behind the scenes and you can do a little bit of it on Instagram with stories and stuff like that um, but I think people crave that you know other kind of angle. Um, on TikTok. So have you seen, I'm guess I'm guessing the answer is going to be yes. You've seen that different content. You'll like, have you ever posted the same video on both to see how they both perform? A few. Um, I try not to, it's, it's kind of a tricky game. Um, I do have some stuff that I'll, you know, edit for TikTok and, and make it look nice. Um, and I'll put it on, on Instagram, like as a reel as well. That's, that's something that's Instagram's trying to compete with TikTok in, in that realm. Um, so I, I have put some stuff, but there's other stuff like I will post on TikTok and it never put it on Instagram um, just for the fact that it's it doesn't really fit the aesthetic that, you know, that I'm looking for on, on there. So then how do you have time to outfit these kayaks, man? Um, I, I still do a little bit of it. I actually have a, a guy who works for me. His name is Alex. Um, he, he goes to LSU. Uh, I believe he's in um, construction management, but he's he's kind of similar to me. Just like likes working with his hands and, and figuring stuff out. You know, he he didn't really have a background in kayaking or kayak fishing, but just boats and being outdoors and stuff. Uh, we got actually got linked up through the LSU bass team. I was on on that for okay. a couple of years at LSU, um, and I I needed some help, so I you know posted a little thing in our our group message, and he reached out so. Um, he's been helping me ever since, but he, for the most part, I'm able to kind of line up projects and, and let him get after it. And he, you know, we've gone through some training on how I do certain things. Um, and then other things I'm like, look, I trust you on this, you know, handle it how, how you think you, you should. Um, so that's helped a ton, you know, being able to have him do stuff and then I can, you know, either video him or, you know, make posts and, and handle the marketing aspect of it. So do you have your own space now for your shop or are you still operating out of a garage? Yeah. Uh, so after the uh, garage phase, I actually moved over to the industrial plex, uh, industrial plex Boulevard. Okay. So I, I so feel like, like, a, like a legit space. Well, that, so that was like the, the first little shop I was in. And I, I feel like all small businesses start on industrial plex, you know, it's just littered with, with, uh, people getting their, getting their start over there. And some people, some stay. Um, but I, I actually teamed up with, uh, Southern Oaks Athletic Club, which is over in Shenandoah. Okay. And, uh, we kind of teamed up and I helped them with some marketing and, and, uh, also help with their kind of paddleboard and paddleboard rentals and stuff like that over there. Um, but my shop is also located over there. So moved into a nicer space place. I can kind of host events and, and have people come out and, and see everything. 
Okay, so in that transition, was there a point in the business where you knew it was just time? Or um, how, how did that happen going from parents' garage yeah. <laughs> to Industriplex? Yeah, I mean, having, having eight kayaks in the yard plus mine uh, was definitely the uh, a telltale sign. Um, and then also, you know, there's also some brands uh, like in the industry that won't sell to you unless you have a brick and mortar place. So that, okay. was, that was another driving force. Um, so if I wanted, you know, let's say Yak Attack, which is a big accessories brand, I had to have a brick and mortar place to, uh, to be able to open an account with them. So if I wanted to kind of make, take the next step into retail and, and, you know, actually have a lot of products on the website, I needed a, a place like that. So walk us through the decision to go into retail and adding that as a different revenue stream for the business. Uh, I, it definitely started, I kind of mentioned, talked about it earlier with like when, when somebody would come to me, I would, in the beginning, I would kind of have to say, all right, well, you know, here's the link to, to purchase this battery and fish finder, and then you can bring it to me. And then basically I'm charging them the labor. Um, so that kind of got the wheels turning like, oh, I'm kind of li- leaving money on the table when, you know, I'm sending them somewhere else to, to get a product. <clears throat> Um, so I, I think that definitely is what drove me to the, the retail side. And then, um, you know, eventually it morphed into like making my own products and kind of acquiring my own products to bring in. And, you know, obviously, you know, when you have your own product, you can sell it for (laughs) a higher margin. You set the the sales price. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a higher margin than, than when you're buying from somebody else. So that, that definitely helps. So you have your own, so you call it LAC or L-A-C-K. Uh-huh. So how? Do you have your own actual like LAC branded items? Yeah, so I have a, I have a few, um, and some of them are like accessory specific to like a specific model kayak. Um, like Hobie came out with a, a new model kayak, um, I think it was about a year and a half ago, and I I got it immediately because I knew if I could jump on that you know new model and I knew it was going to be popular, I can make products for it, and that's been like my one of my best selling products is when I jumped on that new model made products specifically for it, and then was able to sell it to, to other people who are looking for, you know, similar items. So how do, how do you work that? Like, is there, do you have licensing agreements you got to do with these companies? I mean, your manufacturing relationship, what, what does that look like? Um, so some, like, I, I guess I'll I kind of tell about, you know, what type of products I have. So some of the products are actually made out of like marine starboard. So like there's a couple of motor mounts and, and just mounting plates that go on the seat of the kayak. And those I have a, um, it's called a Shapoko CNC machine. It's, you know, about this wide, probably three feet long. And it's a CNC machine. And that was a whole nother learning curve in itself was figuring out how to learn how to, I'm surprised it didn't blow it up in the beginning. Um, but I, I, I bought that and started making products with that. Uh, and I, you know, just get marine starboard and, cut it out 17 times before I got it right. And then, you know, start mass producing it, um, on the, on the little sheets. Um, so some of that stuff is just all created in house. I had the hardware to it. And then others, like I'll, I'll take a yak attack part and pair it up with one of my parts and then, you know, um, put it on the website as that. So it's kind of a, you know, some of the stuff's my own and then some, I kind of bring multiple you know, items together. Gotcha. So you're able to curate what specific product they kind of need for the outfit and then also looking into kind of future developing of what will come on the market that you can be a part of mm-hmm. from a construction side of things and also kind of a selling side of things. Yes. Yeah. And it, it's also helped with like the custom customization of kayaks. Like I had a, a guy come in and he wanted uh, 
two fish finders mounted on his kayak in a certain way that no other mount on the market could have um, like could have sufficed for it. And so I was like, all right, let me let me you know do some drawing up and figure it out and cut out two things on on the CNC machine. And the next thing you know, he's got a, a low profile mount that he could pick his kayak up with, and it was super sturdy. Um, so that's the other, you know, kind of side of it is, yeah, I mass produce stuff with it, but also like one-off things I can, it, it may take me a little bit of time. Um, and that's one of the things that I don't always make as much money <laughs> yeah, off yeah. of. Um, but you know, when somebody sees a, a kayak with two, you know, a nine inch and a seven inch fish finder on it, they're like, dang, that's really cool. I haven't seen that before. So why do you need two fish finders? Oh, we're getting into the you know the the specifics of it i personally wouldn't have it on mine but it's typically the bass guys they they like having right. it comes from the bass boat world a lot of guys there's like it's like two different views they leave it on yeah I mean, what yeah like what is if you got don't they do the same thing at the yeah. end of the day so i've done i've done a couple of big bills and they're always bass fishermen and i think it comes from just the bass industry you know the guys with eighty thousand dollar boats and they've got five fish finders on them and you know all the electronics so they've it's really transitioned into the kayak space. I haven't seen one with three yet, but I'm sure it's coming. Um, but they do typically use like one for maps or one for um, forward-facing sonar, which is a big thing um, that we, we do a lot of installs on. So it's, you know, I personally wouldn't run it, but some guys, they got to have it. And, hey, we'll, we'll figure out a way to put it on there for them. So I want to, if you're open, I want to hear some horror stories. Oh, horror stories. Of, like, either being on the water in the kayak or decking out someone's kayak and it, like, went, like, completely wrong. Uh, if there are any, I have no idea. I have. So, my mom's going to watch this, and she already knows <laughs> it happened, and she gets mad at me every time I talk about it. So, this was before I the bull. I can't remember what year it was, but I went out with um, Chris Holmes, who is a writer for Louisiana Sportsman, and uh, my dad and my brother, and we are going to get some – uh, content for an article that Chris was going to do on catching bull reds with, with these big rattle traps, which that's another Louisiana brand. And uh, I was like watching the weather and I was like, it, and the place we go is like in the middle of a bay pretty much. There's like one specific spot and the bull reds just school up and you can catch them easy if they're there. And I was watching the weather and I was like, oh, we probably shouldn't go, but we got to get this done. So we went anyway. And uh, I'm just, I think we'd caught a couple fish, but we really didn't have what we needed. And I look up, and it's just a wall of rain coming at us. And I'm like, oh, rain, that's not that bad. And then we were like, maybe we should head in. And it turns into, you know, three-foot rollers and just white-out rain. And I uh, have a GoPro video of it. And I, I didn't tell my mom it happened, but she sees it on my <laughs> on my Instagram or something. She's like, what were you doing? And you can see my little brother in the background. He was 11 at the time just pedaling his own kayak. And I was like, he was fine. I was right there. But that was, that's probably the worst scenario I've ever been in. I've been, I've gone in the winter sometimes and gotten wet and gotten cold, but that's, yeah, being, being caught in a storm is. It's never fun. Oh no. And it's worse when you're like 30 miles offshore. Yeah. I, I love deep sea fishing. Oh yeah. I, I do so too. like 30, 40, 50, 60 yeah. miles offshore and you just see those storms just uh -huh. pop up and just head towards the, like this, like they have a beacon. Oh yeah. They just they head straight right towards to the boat. Yeah. Oh, we, we've had our fair share of that, and I, I better not talk about those. Those are in the boat, so we'll leave that out of it. <laughs> much safer, much yeah, safer. Yeah, much safer, yeah. So, like, what about rigging out someone's kayak? Is something ever oh, going, like, horribly wrong? Really? I wouldn't say anything horribly wrong. I'm, I'm of the mindset, like, I'll figure it out. So if something's not, you know, doesn't work out exactly like I thought, like, I, I'm going to figure out another way to do it. Um, I have taken a guy 
and uh, we re- we did a bunch of work on his kayak. It's probably the biggest build I've ever done. It had two fish finders, like two motors, lights, the whole the whole nine. And we took it out, and I won't mention the brand, but this kayak rides pretty low on the water. And I'm like, I have my camera out, and I'm taking pictures and kind of going all around them. And I hear water, like, rushing in. And I'm like, do you hear that? And he goes, yeah, I do. <clears throat> and you look back here in, in the hatch, and I do, and the boat's, like, sinking as we're out there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we got to get you in. And so, luckily, we weren't far, but his, like, 10 more minutes, he'd have, he'd have sank the kayak. And it was it was a, a manufacturer kind of issue, and we we kind of rigged it up to where it wouldn't happen again. But that's <laughs> probably, resolved the issue. Yeah, resolved the issue. Uh, they don't make that boat anymore, by the way. <laughs> but that was that's probably <laughs> the the worst uh, experience like that. My gosh, man! Yeah, and I, I I think it's that the horror stories are always kind of fun to hear because it's like the lessons you learn. Oh, hundred you know, percent yeah. are so important and so yeah. impactful going forward that you know if X, Y, and Z is happening because of a bad experience, I know how to resolve it. Right, you know? yeah. I'm, I'm big on, like, learning by seeing something happen or seeing it done. Um, so in some cases that means learning the hard way on, on a lot of things. But, like, that's that's how you really – I feel like you really learn. Like, you can oh, yeah. you can tell me something all day, but I want to see it done or do it myself, and then I'll really, you know, understand. Absolutely. So speaking of learning, um, as we start to wind down the show, we have, like, a set list of questions four questions we like to ask everybody. Mm-hmm. And the first one of those being, what are three lessons you've learned along the way? Um, definitely managing money. Uh, when I, you know, in the beginning, I'm just, you know, working, trading, trading time for money. And, you know, there's really not a lot of overhead aside from some rope or whatever that I used on, on the install or the repair. Um, so when you start getting inventory and learning, you know, I can, order this much, sell it in a month or, you know, order a set amount. Um, and just kind of balancing that, um, that, that definitely be a big one. Um, uh, I mean uh, the whole advertising thing and, and just like not being set on one specific way to advertise and kind of roll with, you know, trends and new things. Um, that's definitely been, been a, another learning kind of curve to it. Um, or the third one, I guess just, you know, kind of being able to roll with, with the punches. Um, not everything, like, I'd say three years ago, I, I wasn't planning on having a, a kayak fishing business, and now, like, this is where I'm at. So you really can't be set on one specific thing or one specific outcome. Um, there's always going to be a, a bump in the road or, like, a change of plans. And, you know, if you're super set on one thing, you're probably going to run into a wall. You know, you're not going to get any further. So, you know, just kind of being flexible and, and rolling with the punches is definitely yeah gotta be able to pivot man oh that's it pivot. <laughs> you, gotta be able to pivot. That's you it. know pivot when you have to yeah so i mean i feel like you're living this answer but what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today oh i wish i could fish every day that was something my grandparents had a pond in, in uh where we lived in, in central and i was like go grab my dinner out off the dinner table and go hop hop on the on the pond <laughs> love that um it's yeah even better when you go out there to the pond you catch your dinner oh yeah you there you go the house. there you go um yeah but you couldn't keep me off of that thing but um i don't know i mean i i, I spent a lot of time in the woods and, and a lot of time you know on the water so i, I can't really complain about about any of that <laughs> so being a baton rouge boy going to calic high lsu what is something you love about the area um 
I mean, the, the culture, the, the food, there's nothing like Louisiana. You know, when you go other places and you travel, the roads are a lot nicer and a lot of stuff's cleaner, <laughs> but you can't, like, beat the culture. I especially love South Louisiana, like Grand Isle, um, you know, all those, Golden Meadow, all those places. Um, that's, like, I love just going down there. I could spend every day down there. So I'd say definitely the culture. Um you know, and I like traveling. I like, you know, going to Texas to hunt and, and just went skiing for the first time and experienced all that. But there's nothing that compares to, to down here. Like, yeah, sportsman's paradise, man. That's it. You know, and like you, I don't think if I lived anywhere else, I would have gotten to experience all the hunting and fishing and, you know, inshore fishing, offshore fishing, bass fishing, just stuff that I love to do. Like, it's hard to find a place that has all that. Yeah, especially within reasonable driving oh, distances yeah. of everybody. Yeah, I mean, two hours north ducking deer hunting and of course you can do it anywhere but that's where we go and then two hours south you're catching trout and redfish love it man Mm -hmm. so for the final question what can i do to help you um i mean as far as i know we talked about it earlier all the connections that that you have and i'm sure i have some that that i can hook you up with uh to get on the show but i mean that's kind of why i like doing stuff like this is you know I know you have a, a, a big, I guess, book of business and, and people you, you talk to on a daily basis, and I do as well. So I think we can kind of help each other out and, and uh, grow grow from uh, from it. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll exchange uh, Palm Pilots and see what the contacts <laughs> yeah, are in there. There you go. Uh-huh. <laughs> so thank you, man, for coming on the show. And uh, what is the best way for somebody to get a hold of you? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, social media is, is definitely uh, a good way to, to get in touch with me, with whether it's Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Uh, and even YouTube, and then um, LACustomKayaks at gmail.com is uh, the email that I check the most. So that'd be the best way to get in touch with me. Um, but, yeah, that, that's it. Perfect, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for volunteering to be in episode one <laughs> yeah, of 2023, man. Did, I, I'd say we did all right. <laughs> oh, yeah, we, we crushed it. We did pretty good. You know, we did great. We yeah. had some good stories, some good times, <laughs> yeah. man. Hopefully no, your no. mom doesn't uh, yell at you too much. Oh, no, it, that was in the past. <laughs> we're, we're all still here. Well, thank you so much, Brock, for coming on the show. I appreciate your time and I appreciate you sharing your story with everybody. And thank you, everybody else, for watching or listening to the show. I greatly appreciate it. Now, the guests do as well. We are, we're in it now. We're in 2023. We're rocking and rolling. I hope to see you all in the next one and hear from you all. Let us know if you have a guest in mind that you think we should have on the show. We're going to do our best to incorporate any business and every business that we can in the community. So, We don't know of everybody, and I'm sure you know somebody that we don't, so be sure to reach out to us, whether it's email, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, whatever social media platform you're on, or go straight to our website and reach reach out to us from there, and we'll do our best. So thank you all so very much, and thank you to the amazing sponsors that make this show possible each and every week coming your way right now. Sell your home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $3.99 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya, real estate reimagined. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. 
Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway. Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left. But the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade, building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove, concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life. Shopping for a car, they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days, but I promise you, signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy, you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future. There's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out, our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center, and tell them Patty G sent you. McClavey's Limited, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show, has been serving the Baton Rouge area proudly for 40-plus years. Gentlemen and ladies, if you're shopping for your man, there is no other place in the Baton Rouge area to get your clothing, whether it's game day needs, everyday needs, business attire, formal attire, whatever you want. Go over there, see Frank and Ashley. It's a father-daughter duo. They do incredible things in their store. They will outfit you from as simply a shirt that you need for one evening, or all the way to a full wardrobe overhaul. They're going to take care of you every step of the way, and be sure and let them know that Patty G Show sent you.